podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Yeah, I'm struggling to process it still. I was, when the final whistle went, I said, it just hasn't hit me. It hasn't computed with me that after the start of the season that we had, it feels impossible that we've qualified for Europe. But to have... Three games, they were crucial in Villa season. Yeah. That that was the time where the players realised that the manager was not putting up with what they were doing at that point. They had to really switch on and listen to what he wanted and they did that, they executed the plan. Um, I think he was quite angry in press conferences after the game because he was a little bit embarrassed. He's not he doesn't like losing. He doesn't like losing, no. But no manager does. But he's also not actually used to losing. The 1874 show. By the Villa View. Hello, welcome back to the 1874 show on the Villa View. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined by the Athletics Aston Villa correspondent, Greg Evans. Greg's been reporting on Villa for years. Obviously, I've been supporting Villa my entire life. But Greg, for the first time ever, I think since you've been reporting on Villa, is it the first time ever? Yeah. Villa are going on a European tour. Yeah, it's amazing, really. Still, still, we're two days on, aren't we? And I'm still struggling to process it all. It feels a little bit unusual being so positive and optimistic about this club because, yeah, as you said, I've been covering it for a very long time um, and there hasn't been too much to to celebrate and, and, and write really positively around. So really exciting times. Um, looking forward to the future. And Sunday was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I presume you were there in the heady days of covering the, the Cup of Traditions abroad. I presume, presume you, you covered that, perhaps. I've got the trophy behind me, actually. The Cup oh, of Traditions trophy there. Yeah. You, were, you, you, you were there for that, so you've seen some real real high points. But yeah, I'm struggling to process it still. I was When the final whistle went, I said, it just it hasn't hit me. It hasn't computed with me that after the start of the season that we had. It feels impossible that we've qualified for Europe, but to have to have got there and the scenes at Villa Park at the end of the game, the players on the pitch and the manager and the owners walking around. It's just, I said this on the pod that me and Max did yesterday. It's so so rare in football that your whole club feels aligned and that everyone's feeling, everyone's pulling in the same direction. Sorry, like the fans, the players, the manager, the coaching staff, everyone at the club, everything feels one at the moment, and it's very rare when that happens as a football supporter, but when it does and it's happening to your club, you have to embrace it and just enjoy it. And the the end of this season has just been so, so enjoyable. Villa have done tremendously to get into Europe. It's amazing though. I mean, there is no better feeling in football as a supporter when, when the club, when a club is coming together like this. Um, And there are so few examples. I mean, you even just look across the continent and look at Napoli, for example, they've just gone and won Serie A, done exceptionally well in, in the Champions League, you know, for, for the first time in, in quite a while in, in terms of um, getting to the latter stages. But they're losing their manager, Spalletti, because he feels like, you know, he's not quite ready to take, um, to, to, to give everything that, that Napoli um, requires. And you just think, how can a team that's done so well <laughs> and lose the manager? So you look at look at Villa and everything's going in the right direction, I think. Um, I spoke to Tyrone Mings, <clears throat> excuse me, after the game on Sunday and just a couple of things that he just said that was very telling. You know, he said this club is changing sort of day to day, week by week, day to day, um, which shows, you know, he's been a- around for a very long time. He- he's one of the longest serving players at the club now, but he can notice the real difference in this club, the way he's moving forward. Um, I just think that's so exciting. Yeah, I love the fact that, you know, McGinn and Mings have been here through throughout the entirety of this, this journey, really. So the season we went up basically to, 
to now that they've been constants in that McGinn and Mings. And they've both had ups ups and downs, certainly through, throughout that time. But I love that at the tail end of it and the club actually getting into Europe, those two are arguably two of the most important players. Like I, I find that really, really refreshing, the two players that have been there since the start, how they've performed under Emre. I'm really, really delighted for both of them in particular out of everyone there because they've been on this this roller coaster journey that it that it has been involved with Aston Villa. Yeah, and look, there's a real connection with those two players uh, and the supporters and the club. They, they, they're a part of the furniture now. They've been through some of the tough times. They helped the club in that brilliant 2018-19 promotion winning season. They were part of the 10-game winning run. They were in the final. Obviously, McGinn scored. Um, Mings was exceptional. People actually forget that Mings uh, went off with cramp, didn't he, in those last sort of seven or eight minutes in the playoff final. Um and uh, and certainly on the sidelines, there was a little bit of nerve, nerve, uh, nervousness. Um, what? As, uh, as as the team were able to you know successfully hold on to that win, but yeah, look, the, Mings has been through a few ups and downs. I think you know everybody's always had an opinion on him, haven't they? Um, and I think the wider footballing world used to look at Tyrone Mings as a very uh, a very talented defender, but somebody who maybe had an error in him. Um, and I think this season he's shown that that's not the case. You know, with the right coaching, with the right um, t- uh, mindset and the right team around him, he's been exceptional. You know, th- there hasn't been a mistake in him. He's been one of the Henry best defenders in the Premier League. Um, and I liked the way he was very confident in, in his interview when um, I spoke to him after the game. You know, he said, a couple of us asked him about why uh, about his feelings about getting back into the England squad. And he said, well, I am a little bit surprised because I feel like I've been performing like this for a, for a while this season. So why wasn't I called up into the into the last squad, for example, if, if that's the case? He said his performances in his own mind were no different to February, March than, um, than they have been in, in the last few months. But look, he, he, he's delighted to be back in the squad. He's never let England down. Um, he certainly hasn't let Villa down this year. And yeah, as you say, Dan, to have the two of them around still, um, McGinn and Mings, is great because you've just got that continuity there and the two of them know what it's like when it was when it was tough um, and they can enjoy that more, I think, because of the uh, the good times that are coming. Yeah, McGinn had a, a horrible start to the season. He was... He was getting abuse really from from quite a lot of well not quite a lot from a, a portion of the of the fan base they they were getting into McGinn. He had the the whole captaincy thing which wasn't handled well by by Steve and Gerard. But really now it's a different John McGinn to the McGinn that started the season. He's been so so consistent over the last ten to fifteen games, and he really is the heartbeat and and, and leader of that side. Now I think Emery wants to get him tied up to, to to a new contract as well. And McGinn and Mings are both going to be a big part of Villa going forward. And I. I always find it difficult when someone who, who's been involved with Villa through those times of, of getting us up, like Jed Steer, for example, leaves. You know, countless players have left over the over the last four or so or years, and it's it's really really. I find that tough. I find it quite hard to mm. say goodbye mm. to those players because I, I loved everyone that was involved in that in that promotion side. But to still have those two there, and furthermore that they are such a big part still, is massive. Because at the start of the season. I think I raised it actually in in one in one of our podcasts. You know, Villa have still got the same sense about pairing that they had the first season that they were playing back in the Premier League, and it was kind of I was kind of asking, is that is that a bit a bit stale? Should Villa have moved on? But actually, Emery has just come in and reinvented all the, all those players. There's absolutely no staleness there whatsoever. It's almost like they're all new players in some ways because they've yeah. all taken a game to a different level under this manager. 
Yeah, there's a real freshness about the squad, isn't there? You know, the, the players that, that we perhaps were starting to write off, some people were saying McGinn wasn't good enough. Um, you know, you look at the caretaker managers that, that took over after Steve Gerrard, mm. they both dropped John McGinn. They thought that he was one of the problems um, in, in Villa's form. And, and, you know, clearly, and Ramsey. Sorry? Ramsey got dropped as well. Ramsey, didn't yeah. Got, I mean, yeah, look, yeah. You know, Villa, Villa were excellent against Brentford um, and obviously went and won 4 0. And, and you thought maybe it did need freshening up a little bit that went, but then they got spanked at Newcastle by the same scoreline. So there were underlying problems there. But McGinn, McGinn is a, and if you've never met him, he, he's just, he's an unbelievable character. He's just so, so grounded, so down to earth, so far removed from every anything that people think about professional footballers. Um you know, he, he walks through, uh, there's an area called the mix zone, which is where the uh, players are uh, often interviewed after games. And he walks through the one at Villa Park every after every game and always stops and have, has a little chat with the reporters and just explains some of the things that have gone on in the game and how he's feeling and stuff. And he always goes and makes his way up to see his family. And he's, his family have got, a, a, you know, there's a massive following that come down from Scotland. He's obviously got two brothers that also play. So his mum and dad don't always go to Villa Park and, you know, have enjoy the hospitality there. They go to Falkirk and um, uh, Motherwell and, and swap it around watching the other brothers. But they're three guys who have just come up from, you know, an, an area just on the outskirts of Glasgow, Clyde Bank. They, they played football on the streets um, in their local park. So I went up to the Clyde Bank and visited it recently and just went to some of his old pitches that he used to play on as a, as a young kid. Um, and just had a look around the area, and he he's just he's just playing football like in the Premier League, like he was playing in those park pitches, um, you know, fifteen twenty years ago, whatever it was now. And um, there's just a realness about him. I just I love watching him. I think that the last thirty minutes in that game against uh, Brighton on on Sunday, he really got hold of that midfield, and he just said, "Nobody's getting past me." I'm going to stick my arse in the way and nobody's getting past me. I'm going to, I'm going to stand there like a little bulldog and nobody's getting past me. He's, he's incredible and, and a really, really top guy. Um, I'm really pleased for him because he had a difficult start to the season. I think he knew that his form wasn't quite where it should have been. Um, but in the back of his mind, he knew that he was still good enough to play for Villa and he's gone on and proved that. Yeah, I'm repeating myself from stuff I've said in the stuff I did with Max, but it's always different to to talk it through with with you. But you think of those those midfielders, Louise, Ramsey, and McGinn. That was the midfield under Gerrard, and we were all saying that midfield's not right. It's not working. It's not clicking. That it's a weak area for Villa. That's that's where our problems are, are, are stemming from. Yeah, those same players line up in the Nunai Emery system. He just look completely different. You know, McGinn's allowed mm. to do all the things he's good at. Ramsey's productivity in terms of goals and assists under Unai Emery has been really, really strong. Louise the same. Louise, player of the year as well. And then you throw Kamara into that midfield as well, who's just a class act. I thought he was really good on, on Sunday. The way he operates in tight spaces and wins the ball back. His passing's excellent as well. He, as a, as a modern-day number six, I think you won't find many better than Kamara. I think he's going to go on and be a real top, top player. And be a mainstay in the, in the France team, which will tell you how, how how good he is. But from that midfield area being the weakest point, arguably the strongest, and and it's what makes Unai Emery's team tick really that midfield because it offers protection of the defence, but it also builds on the on the attack. And in in the time when what I know he scored on Sunday, Watkins' goals had, had stopped a little bit. 
those midfielders all chipping in with goals, or Ramsey and Louise ch chipping in with goals has been really, really helpful. Ramsey's been exceptional, hasn't he, these last couple of months. I think he's really come on um, to get two assists. I don't know how he missed that chance against Brighton, mind you. but oh, I think that um, was a harder chance than people think because it was bouncing oh, okay. and had a lot okay. of pace on it. Um, maybe. To be fair, I haven't seen it back. So Yeah, um, I think it was a tough we'll, one. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt, but it, it looked like he like should have been doing better. He should have scored, but I think it wasn't as easy as people think. Fair enough, but um, his performance in in general was was brilliant. You know the way he was he was on it right from the very start, wasn't he? And he was you know set up those two early goals in the first half for Villa. Um, he's done really well against the better teams, which is the most impressive thing. You know, scored against Man United, Tottenham, um, Newcastle, Newcastle, yeah, Liverpool. Um, seems to really come alive in these these big games now, which is a, a really big a really great sign. Um, He's developing exceptionally well. I think he'll have a great under-21s tournament with England. I expect they'll probably go on and win it or go late, late into the competition in Georgia and Romania this summer. Um, and, and look, you know, he'll be a guy that will be looking to get into the England squad next season. If he continues performing the way he does, then he will be. Louise, likewise, he will be looking to get back into the Brazil squad now. He can't be far away. When, when I interviewed him a couple of months ago, he said to me, he said, I'm in the best form of my life now. And the the, the 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 most pressing concern for me now is to get back into the the Brazil squad. You know, we know South Americans are, are very passionate and uh, patriotic, and, and and obviously want to perform well for their countries. So th there aren't many defensive midfielders that are playing better than Luis now. You know, you look at how he could improve that Brazil squad. I think he's got a big chance. Um, and then the other two, you know, we've already spoke about McGinn, but but Kamara, I think he's going to be a very very, very valuable player for Villa in the future. Um, we just go back to some of the recruitment that was often uh, criticised before Emery came. Remember, just, I remember just after that Stevenage game, I, I know Danny Kamara played in that one, but um, remember after the Stevenage game, the, 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 the general feeling amongst supporters was that we've, been, we've lost the FA Cup because of poor recruitment, because of the, our fringe players aren't quite good enough. But it, there's, a, there's a different outlook now. You look at some of the players that Villa have signed and you realise actually they were very good players. They just needed coaching the right way. Um, and, and what Emery has done with each individual and as a collective is very impressive. I don't quite, I didn't, there were so many questions I wanted to ask him um, in the last week of the season. Obviously, won't won't see him for a couple of weeks now because he'll be he'll be on holiday. Uh, before oh, no, Emery won't be on holiday. He's a, he's a body more No, he, he actually is going to He's going on holiday. Quite, which is quite incredible, yeah. Yeah. Um, but be a working uh, holiday. Yeah, I've lost my trail of thought. Right. What, was the, what was the question I wanted to ask him? Um, the Emery's <laughs> just uh, completely, uh, completely lost me now. But there was something I wanted to ask him, but I can't remember. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to it. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, sorry, that was it. It was more. It was. Does he ever get drained by by the amount of time that he that he puts into? Um, improving his players individually and, and collectively. Uh, I didn't quite get a chance to ask him that because there were more pressing concerns. But I just think for somebody who doesn't really take a day off, um, doesn't ever really switch off, and he's fully focused and has been doing this now for 19 years, it's not as if he's a new manager. Um, I wanted to ask him, do you think your never-ending commitment to getting better and getting the best out of your players is what sort of sets you aside from some of the other managers. Feels like some of the older managers, because he's not a young manager anymore, Emery, yeah. Emery 
people. Just like some of the older managers feel like they know they've cracked it and they can sort of relax a little bit, lean on some of their assistants a bit more. But Emery's just so full on. And I think that is what makes him elite. Yeah, even his words after the game, I don't know whether you could you could hear it. I mean, it was very loud at Villa Park and the Villa PA system's not the greatest in the in the in the world, but it kind of said that this getting to Europe is the conference league is the is step First one. Step, yeah. Basically. But then he all he also you mentioned hard work and references plenty more hard work to be done. And he you're right, he just doesn't seem bored by anything. It must be quite rewarding in some ways, seeing that you must look at what he's done this season. He must sit back and think, I've done well there. No, I've improved he's, he's the players. He's got to. He's got to. He has to um, give himself some credit. Yeah, he, he's got to. Uh, Matt, Matt Laura from from the Telegraph asked him a question uh, in the press conference. He said, um, "Did you feel a little bit disrespected um, when the Arsenal experience didn't quite go to plan? Um, and do you think that a lot of people that disrespected you at that point are now kind of eating their words and 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 have to admit that they're wrong?" And he didn't really answer it, which was which was strange. He said. His sort of reply was, "I haven't, I, I wasn't listening. Um, I didn't feel, I didn't feel like I was disrespected. But I know as a manager, I've been in Spain, I've been in Russia, I've been in Paris, I've been in England. I know you have to keep winning. Um, and what I've been doing as a manager, um, the way I, the way I manage, I've had more success than I've had failure. Um, so in the back of his mind, he knows that uh, his way of working works. And his way of working is intense, and you." You almost would would think it, it would have a chance of not working with 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 footballers <clears> because it is so intense. I can't imagine footballers love sitting there and, no, and, and watching clips. But don't. I will say, every time you hear a Villa player speak, they have embraced it and they've worked very hard as well that themselves. And they say they're like no stones left unturned and there's no excuses to to, to not perform because you're told and you know exactly what you're supposed to be doing yeah. on 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 the pitch. So that intensity, it is working. It, I've said this a few times. It works when you're winning, right? Yeah. If if Villa are losing games and they've got a manager who is making them sit to watch defeats over and over again and analysing every finer point of it and then getting them in for meetings prior to games and saying, we're going to sit here for two hours now and we're going to watch the opposition and this is what you've got to do to beat them. And then they go and lose. They're not going to want to be sitting in that meeting after the game again and leading up to the next game. But what Emery has been able to do is he's been able to extract 5 or 10% more out of every single player and make them better. And what they can now see is that they're performing better because of what he has told them. And the team are also performing better because of what Emery has told them. And collectively, that's making them more successful as players and a team. And every player wants that... You ask any footballer and deep down, all they want to know is, how am I going to play? How much am I going to get paid? And how successful is the team going to be? If they've got all three of those, they are going to be delighted. And and essentially, that's all it is. And Villa are well-paid well uh, well players. The majority of those players are playing regularly and they're now winning games. So they're happy players. And if that means a little bit of extra training and, and a few longer team meetings yeah privately they all laugh and joke about how long they are but it's working so they're all happy but they you know they did lose three in a row at one point this season and shipped an awful awful lot of goals Emery there was a couple of interviews after games during that three game run where he said a few things and I was thinking I'm not sure the players will 
we'll, we'll, we'll like that actually. He said a couple of things about Martinez after after the Arsenal game when he came up for the corner that he shouldn't have come up with, and I was thinking, I don't think some of the players will will enjoy that. But actually, after that three game run, Villa then, Villa then went on and went went ten unbeaten, which was absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So it proves that you know he's got he's kind of got the, the stern side and he's got the disciplinarian side of it. He's, he's obviously tactically very very good and very good at the, at the training ground. But I think over the course of the last the last month or two as well, you've seen the, the positive side of the, how he can behave with, with with players and and extract stuff out of them. And but he's he, he's a very he, when he speaks, I find him very 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 warm. Mm. When, you know, when he was interviewed after the game, I find him very warm in the way the way he was very respectful of the club, very respectful of the players. Always mentions that the supporters. I just think Villa of now have got the perfect manager. They, that, you were to design a manager for Villa at this current, realistically at this current point, I think you would design Unai Emra. <laughs> yeah, it's a good way of putting it. Um, going back to the three games, they were crucial in Villa season. Yeah. That that was the time where the players realised that the manager was not putting up with what they were doing at that point. They had to really switch on and listen to what he wanted, and they did that. They executed the plan. Um, I think he was quite angry in press conferences after the game because he was a little bit embarrassed. He's not he doesn't like losing. He doesn't like losing, no. But no manager does. But he's also not actually used to losing. There was only a hand there's only a couple of times in his entire nineteen year coaching career where he's actually lost three games in a row. Very, very rarely happens. And the fact that Villa conceded eleven goals in those games and also were pretty much humiliated against his former team, Arsenal. It was all building up in his head, and I think, and he was, he was like, "I'm not used to losing this many games. I'm not used to conceding. Arsenal fans are taking the piss out of me. This is not great." So, I think some of the comments he said after those games were just a bit of built-up frustration. Um, but what happened next was really impressive. You know, there the were longer training times, there were more meetings, fewer days off. Um, the players got it, you know, they they really got it from him, and uh, but they reacted, and 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 I've said all along, it's not just the manager. What the players have done has been mm. exceptional. Uh, they've been able to put in practice what he's been asking, um, and also, which we'll we'll maybe go into later, the structure around the club has allowed Emery to focus more on coaching because everything's already in place. We'll maybe go into that in a bit more detail later. Yeah, I mean. The other thing is that we lost a couple of games in a row to Manchester United and Wolves near near the end of the end of the season. At that point, it looked like Europe might be tough. It would have been very easy for the season to peter out to an extent then, but it it just didn't didn't did it. We, we we've got ourselves in the position and got ourselves going into the last day, knowing that if we win our game and take care of business, we are in Europe. And again, I think that's impressive to come back from those two one nil defeats and pick up the results that that we needed at the back end of the season in, in big games. I mean, the Villa Park form. When he first came in, the away form was really good, wasn't it? We were winning the away games and home was a little bit bitter at, at times. So seven, seven in a row wins at home in the Premier League, only conceding two goals in that in that seven-game run. And one of them was a dubious penalty against Tottenham Hotspur. I mean, overall, the the records that he's got he's got rid of or the records that he's created himself in such a short space of time, he's borderline ridiculous what he's done. There's, there's, there's I, I just, cannot believe everything so he's done. There's, yeah, just, we, there's just so much to go on, you know. We you could think, do a four-hour podcast and everything that yeah. he's changed and the records that he's that he's got rid of. There's so there's so much to go on. It's like G- Gerard's points per game tally at the start, uh, in this season was 0.84, I think, and Emery's is 1.96. 
Now, he picked up 49 points from 25 games. If Villa did that over the course of the season, they would have finished on 74 points above, but only behind Arsenal and Manchester City. They are the third best team in the Premier League under Emery. There is no dispute in that. The figures show that. Um, there are so many records that, that Villa have went on to break. The fact that they scored in the first 23 games, first 21 in the Premier League. Um, the last manager who did that was Carlo Ancelotti at Chelsea, and we know what great manager he has been. Um, Villa had only ever won seven in a row at home once, and that was under Ron Atkinson when Villa finished second in 1992-93. That's the level Villa are at right now. You know, We're not just hyping this up. The figures show that Villa is the third best team in the Premier League at this point in time. I know the season's finished now and, um, you know, Ming said to me again after the game, he said the real challenge for us now is taking the form that we've had in this last three quarters of the season into an entire season next season, um, but also mixing that with a European campaign. And that's going to bring its own challenges because the players are going to be a little bit more tired. They'll need to be rotated more. New players will need to be signed. Um, and you look at teams that have been really successful over the years. Leicester's the obvious one, isn't it? When they won the title, it was done with a very small group of players who were knew exactly how each other played. And Villa have had a very much a feel of that, haven't they? They've had mm. the same team almost with one or two additions or changes. Um, but hopefully, the players that Villa get in help um, help strengthen the squad. Hopefully, their individual talent is able to get Villa through games that they might have lost or drawn previously. Um, and hopefully they just fit seamlessly into this Emery system. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give you a couple of Bardell assumptions here. This is based on absolutely nothing, as you'll know. But these are assumptions from me and you, the more knowledgeable of the pair of us, of, of what's going on, can tell me whether I'm somewhere in the ballpark of, of being right. So Villa don't need major surgery in the squad in the summer. They need some some quality additions. I don't think Villa will sign more than five players. I think they'll sign a backup goalkeeper, a centre-back, a central midfield player who can probably play wide a little bit like, like McGinn and, and Ramsey do. Uh, Bailey slash Triore type wide player and a forward. And then that's, that's, that's Villa bringing in, I think what backup, exclude the backup goalkeeper for that. That's Villa yeah. bringing in players in in four positions that would immediately improve the, the first thing. They'll, they'll only bring in players that are better than what they've got, won't, won't they? So they're, they're my assumptions of one, the kind of number of players we'll bring in in the summer and two, the, the type of player Am I assuming somewhere along the lines of yeah, being right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think um, it's really difficult, isn't it? Because you you look at Villa now and you think they don't really need to change much because it's working, right? So if the season just carried on, you, you wouldn't feel like Villa actually needed anyone majorly because the results that they've been having over the last couple of months show that they're good enough. Um, so I do think they need another striker. Whether that guy is going to be Cameron Archer or not, we'll have to see. So I he, think that'll be Archer and another striker. I think Archer will come back anyway, just because of the nature of how many games we're probably going to have to play. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it makes sense. And you know, whether whether they look to loan Duran out and, and yeah. get some get some That's experience, that might be that might help him. Um, the situation with Archer, obviously, is, is Emery's excited now. He knows that he's going to come back a better player, a player that's proven everything that he's that's been asked of him. He's ticked every box in the championship. Um, is he good enough for the Premier League? We, we, we're going to see that now. We, he's going to get the opportunity, I'd have thought. Um, so we'll see if he's good enough. Hope, fingers crossed he is. But yeah, I do feel like Villa need another proper striker alongside Watkins because <clears throat> when the goals were drying up for Ali in, in, in the last sort of three or four weeks, 
Villa could have really done with bringing somebody else in just to just to lighten the load off him a little bit um, and take the pressure off because it felt very much like if Villa if if if, if Watkins wasn't scoring then then Villa weren't. Um, you know, it's unsustainable, isn't it? You need someone else there. So I do think they'll get a striker. I know that Emery desperately wanted a midfielder, a number eight type figure in January. There were a couple of players that he'd identified. Villa weren't able to get that those over the line um, for various reasons. One, because one player had already arranged a move to to another club um, who actually might become available um, this this summer. So we'll we'll, we'll see if that may be um, material. Yeah, no, that would be, I mean... <laughs> and, I know you're um, not going to give me a name, but I've... And, <laughs> and another player um, who, who was also considered... So Villa, Villa, Villa have been looking at, at midfield options. I, I firmly believe they'll get a midfielder in. Um, we know that they want a sort of striker who can play out on the wing, you know, a forward figure, um, Nico Williams, someone along the, that role, Marco Asensio. Um, from, our, from our Spanish colleagues, they now say that Asensio will leave Real Madrid. Um, you know, he hasn't agreed a new, ter- new, new deal. Was leaning towards wanting to stay there, but hasn't been able to agree new terms. If Villa could pull something off like that, that would be a real statement signing. But there, are, there are competition. There is competition for his signature, of course. Um, and and there are going to be other players in Spain, you know, who, who Villa are looking at. They've they've brought two new recruitment guys in, who who Emery knows very well, um, and obviously knows the Spanish market. If Villa if Villa signed five players, it wouldn't surprise me if two or three came from Spain. Um, mm. But they're not exclusively looking at La Liga. You know, they're looking across the board as well um, to get better players in but yeah <clears throat> be interesting to see if any of the youngsters are, are considered in Europe as well because it's a good it's a good time to start <clears throat> excuse me bringing them into the team isn't it you know using them in those cup competitions it's a good braiding ground Arabelle Cup can you can you start sneaking in a Josh Feeney maybe at centre-half and giving him some game time um, having a look at Tim Irabuna maybe an Aaron Ramsey um, is Jaden Philogene Bidace gonna gonna cut it at Villa? Will he be a guy that maybe t- they turn to off the bench in in Europe and times like that? Um, be interesting because Villa have got some talented youngsters. Uh, Caden Young, obviously, is you know, currently with England under 17s. Somebody that that Emery used on the bench earlier in the season might be an opportunity for some of these players. You know, one or two to break through, um, and that just increases the the squad size there. Yeah, there's some exciting ones in the age group below that coming through that, that I've heard about as well. So, you know, the, the academy at some point is going to start bearing fruit for Villa because they've invested a, a lot in it. And it's been slim pickings over the last 10 to 15 years with players coming through the academy and making it what I would class as making it. It's probably only really Jack and, and Jacob Ramsey that I would class as having made it coming through the academy and, and playing for the first team. But being in Europe, it's extra games, but it is a great breeding ground for young players. If you look at Saka at Arsenal, he wasn't yeah. in and around the first team. He played a few games in Europe, and they thought, okay, he can. This guy can hack it. We've, we've yeah. got someone yeah. here that can, becomes a first team player, and he gets in the team in the Premier League. He's playing for England, and he's one of the best players in the in the Premier League now. So the European football thing is massive for Villa because they will get to give a chance. Cameron Archer will play the European football games. I would, I, I would think. I'd think he'd be heavily involved in those. And it's just a chance. The extra game gives you a chance to look at things you, you can't look at when you're just playing Premier League football. When you're just in the Premier League, like Villa have done, they've been rolling the same team out week in, week out, but they are going to have to add to it. I take your point that, you know, the season just carried on now, you'd be fine. But if, if Villa had had an injury to Watkins 
Mm. They'd have been in big trouble in the second half of the season. That would have have really, really hurt us. And I don't think we would have been qualifying for for Europe. And it was also, if you look at that Brighton game at the weekend, it was essentially a a one-off cup tie in the end because we needed to win to to get into Europe. And and we did it. But when it was tight and it was 2-1, Brighton were making subs and bringing players Mm. on. We made one sub and I just didn't think there was nothing on there that was going to make it any better. They could have brought Ashley Young on maybe to firm it up at the end of the game. But the sub, you could have predicted before the game started. Wendy for it was only it was only really Wendy, wasn't it? I mean, you think okay, that Alex Moreno's injured now and, and he's not going to make the start of next season because he's had to have surgery. Coutinho has been out for ages. Been out, you know, it's just just never ending frustration, isn't it, with Coutinho? Because um, you never know, do you? I mean, look, it, it hasn't worked out for him at Villa, but you never know. Emery might have been able to get the best out of him. He seems to have with other players. So how nice goal before he got injured. Yeah, how exciting. I mean, I did a season review on the Athletic today and I actually put the Coutinho goal down as the goal of the season for me. I think the way that... agree on something? Oh, really? That was my goal of the season. (laughs) Because that was an insight into what Emery wants. That was the first time I was like, yes, this is what Unai Emery wants. It was a lovely goal. Yeah, back to front in 19 seconds. I think, you know, Brendia probably got dummy of the year as well with that Mm. little... uh, Little over, um, and uh, did, did the club give it to Traora? I think he got yes, goal at Leicester. Yeah, yeah. A bit of recency bias in that, I think. Yeah, I think the importance of that goal, you know, certainly put it up there. Um, sure. Was a good finish as well, but I, just, I think Coutinho's was was excellent. Villa actually scored two goals, didn't they, in back to back weeks like that? The other one was an own goal. Um, Palace was it? Was it an own goal? Crystal Palace. They cut the ball across. Cash cut the ball across. Cash cut the ball across and then um, Anderson. Anderson just sort of slided it in. Yeah, it was this almost identical move, but just from the other side. So um, I actually did another piece at that point because that was there was 19. There was that move was 19 seconds from goal to uh, from Martinez to goal, and then the Coutinho move was not also 19 seconds from Martinez to goal. And I, I did an article on the Athletic the, the 38 seconds that sort of showed that Unai Henry's plan was working. Um, I really enjoyed writing that. I, I tweeted it out again a couple of couple of days ago. I really enjoyed writing it because that was the time where you thought, do you know what? You can see what this manager's mm. trying to do. And, uh... If you're getting fed up of missing all the live football, then our new show sponsor, NordVPN, will be able to help you out. NordVPN is a secure and private service which works on pretty much any device, including your laptop, mobile and smart TV. So if you want to watch, let's say, some live US content, it allows you to appear like you're in that country. And whilst you're connected, no one can find out what you're doing, including your internet service provider. Beyond this, the service also has threat protection baked in to protect you from intrusive website ads and malware, which is pretty handy. As part of NordVPN supporting the Villa View, they've given us an exclusive deal of up to 65% off and four months for free. This also includes Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. All you've got to do is go to thevillaview.tv slash NordVPN and sign up. All the details will be in the description of this video. And as always, we're truly grateful to anyone that signs up. We know money's tight, but if you think NordVPN is worthwhile and it's going to help you out, then this really helps us keep the channel running. All the best up the villa. And for, sadly, for too long under Gerard, you, you couldn't really work out what he was trying to get. No, I tweeted. So I remember tweeting something after the Arsenal game, thinking that we'd come away and we'd lost, but I thought 
there were some good aspects in that performance. And I did think I thought we ran Arsenal close, and I was I tweeted that mm. at some point Villa are going to go away from being the pluck, plucky losers, and we're going to be winning these big games. And that's exactly what's happened in the mm. back end of the season. Villa have won those those big games. You know, beat Newcastle, who've been sensational all season. At Canter, I was one of the best, most complete performances I think I've yeah. ever seen at Villa Park. And there's been many good performances <coughs> under under Unai Emery. Do you think there'll be? Do you think there'll be many outgoings in the summer? The squad's not very big, so you would assume. I think maybe one or two will leave for maybe five yeah. to come in. But I don't yeah, think there'll be loads of. There's not a massive rebuild coming here. No, a couple. So look, I mean, obviously Jed Steers on his way. Will Villa look to um, strengthen in the other in the goalkeeping department? I personally think they need to move Robin Olsen on and get a better backup. I think that would be beneficial for Villa. Well, I, I just don't think he's got the confidence. Uh, things like not. European registration for, for squad registration for Europe, we haven't even had to ever think about that. But filling the quotas and things like that, like most teams have an mm. older goalkeeper, like an experienced third choice, like Scott Carson, Rob Green's done it for Chelsea. I think Bettinelli is at Chelsea at the moment as the, as the number three. Now, Villa might actually have to sign two goalkeepers, um, yeah. competent backup for Martinez, but they also might have to have that experienced third goalkeeper as well. And they've got to meet registration quotas for Europe now, which, they, which they've never had to do before. Because you have to have... In the squad, you have to have four players that were four players registered who are home homegrown from the club who've come through the academy. And at the moment, I'm not sure we've got. I don't think we've got that. Don't there aren't too there. many. No, um, I mean on the goalkeeping front, I'd like to see Sinisalo, you know, be used as the third choice. I think if you're, but is promoted, that any good for him? Well, I mean, I think if you're. <laughs> He's, look, he's been on the bench, hasn't he, quite a lot this yeah. year, this season because Villa have used two players on the bench. But I think if you're if you're going to develop a, a goalkeeper for, for all these years, like they did with Matthias Sarkic, um, at some point you're going to have to give him a go. And you know, I'd like to see, like to see maybe if it's hard, isn't it? Because he, <laughs> Emmy Martinez is going to want to play every game. He's going to want to play in Europe as well. Yeah, it's not a case of because Villa are in Europe play their backup goalkeeper in Europe. Emmy Martinez will want to play. But I just think that Sinisalo is at the point now where he's had a couple of loans. Um, you know, he's been in and around the first first team squad now. It might be a good chance to maybe promote him or, or, or at least give him a go at some point um, in one of the cup competitions or a couple of games. Um, so, yeah, but I do think they need to improve on Olsen. Um, don't know whether Sinisalo is that guy because I haven't seen him enough in, in first team action. So, we'll see. Um I think the European games and, and the more cup, cup competitions will give Diego Carlos the chance to show how good he is again and, mm. and give him the chance to, um, you know, recover after what was a horrific Achilles injury. Uh, must must be disappointing for him because he was obviously signed to play. Um, the fact that one of the key points in signing him was the fact that he could play either left side or right side. So he wasn't signed to replace Mings or Konza. He was signed to come in and and push both of them and if ever one of them weren't performing he could then take their place and then it would be up to the one who wasn't performing to get back in um so i think that was a really good situation to have three really strong center halves there with callum chambers as the backup do villa now decide that they need four really good center halves because they I have think they will. and they might have to move chambers on and get an even better player in let's see i think do think henry quite likes chambers because of his versatility in some ways um but you know, perhaps they're 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 looking at getting stronger, better players in certain positions now. Um, and yeah, again, it's you know, it's, it's looking at some of the younger players, isn't it? See whether they can come in. I mean, I guess the massive thing is whatever we do in the summer, there's full trust there 
with with Unai Emery, and he he's fully in charge of, of of what they're doing as well. He's he's basically picking the players, isn't he? Of yeah, of who comes in. Yeah, yeah. Look, Emery is running the football department. You know, he's making the key decisions alongside Vidigani now, and and, and obviously Suarez and Edens will, will will listen to what he wants and see whether they can um, see whether they can deliver. The next challenge for Emery perhaps is to show that he can do it in the transfer market to to re, to pick to identify the players that are going to improve the team and make this team better. If if he can do that, then. He's got it all for me because he's shown that he can coach this team and make them much better, get the best out of underperforming players. If he can now bring in other players that he personally identifies and they make Villa better, what more can this guy do? <laughs> you know, he's the, a genius. The, 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 you're looking at an absolute genius, aren't you? Um, so, so yeah, I, I know he didn't. I know there were a lot of players that he had identified at Arsenal that he weren't that he wasn't able to get. Um, he's obviously worked with the you know the best players in the world at Paris Saint Germain, and um, okay, he didn't quite go to plan with at Paris. At Paris, you know, he didn't win the league one of the years, and they had that horrible collapse in the Champions League. But just if we take things back a little bit and think, imagine if that that collapse against Barcelona didn't happen. Let's just let's just pretend that it didn't happen for for and and, and Paris Saint Germain saw that game out. They probably go on to win the Champions League that year. I know, look, I know there were other strong clubs in the league, but you'd fancy them to have gone on and win the Champions League that year. And then all of a sudden, Emery's a Champions League winning manager, um, and it's changed just on that one game. And you're looking, you're looking at him in a completely different light. And what I've always said is, just because the Arsenal experience didn't go exactly as planned, and it was always going to be difficult for him coming on the back of it, um, Arsene Wenger. And just because he didn't deliver the Champions League, which no other manager have, has either, for, for what it's worth, at Paris Saint-Germain, doesn't mean that those two open brackets, closed brackets, failures, doesn't mean he's not an elite manager. Doesn't ma- they're, they're two they're detached things. He mm. can still be a brilliant manager and, and it not quite worked at other clubs. Yeah, a team at our level, I think, is just just perfect for him. I think he thrives at being at the an underdog a team you wouldn't expect to be to be pushing for things. I think that's what what Villa really it's what it's a bit underdog story from Villa to get into seventh because that shouldn't have happened from being seventeenth when he came in. There's no way that should have happened. And I know Tottenham have had a disastrous end to the season. Chelsea have had a terrible season all all round. But you know you have to still capitalise and take advantage of those things. And Villa finished a point off Brighton, who everyone's raved about all mm. season how good. How good Brighton are. Villa have done the double over Brighton, and Brighton have been exceptional. I think Deserve is a really, really classy manager. I think he's he's probably the next real deal of young managers coming through, and he'll go on and manage probably a, a top four side at some point. You know, Villa finished a point off Brighton, having given them a huge head start, and now everyone's raving about Brighton. So that just tells you the job that Emery's done for Villa to have finished seventh yeah, is, is ridiculous. I'd, I'd maybe, I'd maybe just qualify that with the fact that. It was really difficult for Deserby to come in on the back of Potter, who had left, had no pre-season, and had to make an already perform an already overperforming club better almost. But they had a good start. They had a good start, and they were a stable club with a way of working. Villa, I think Villa had Villa had everything in place with the owners and stuff behind the scenes, the facilities. I think Villa have had everything in place, but it's taken Unai Emery to come in and make it all gel. Mm. So things have been there, but for whatever reason, it's not worked. I said this yesterday as well, that I think the owners would have liked us to be, at this point, maybe a year or two ago, 
mm. ideally. I think yeah. they thought that they could get us there with their investment a year or two ago, and it hasn't happened. But it's taken Unai Emery to, to come in and take everything that's good about Villa, and he's just made it even better and made made it thrive. And he's he's taken Villa to that next level, that next step. And I still think there's levels to go under him as well. I think he's just just a perfect man. I do think everything was in place, but for whatever reason, it just wasn't clicking and wasn't working. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it. I think the structure at Villa was there. The players were good enough. The 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 work that Villa have done behind the scenes is very very impressive. Um, I do say that Emery couldn't have done this at a Chelsea. Maybe I don't think he could have come in, gone into Chelsea and, and turned them around like that because behind the scenes they are not structured in the way that Villa are. There, there's so much good work that has been put in over these last four or five years. This this is a team built over three or four years. You did your piece, didn't you, on the you, last on the last five years, four years, yeah, five years? You know, you've got you've got you've got the engaged um, and ambitious leadership from from Edens and Suiris. Christian Perslow's done a brilliant job in 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 running the day to day of of this club for 5 years. He's the guy that's been in charge of getting this club moving and look, this has been the most transformative part and okay, you might look at it and say well, Villa made a mistake bringing Steven Gerrard in because that didn't quite work. A couple of signings haven't quite gone to plan. Uh, yeah, I agree with that, but I think overall to get a club out of the championship and into the top seven, there's a lot of hard work that's got to have gone on behind the scenes. I think Perzo has been um, instrumental in that. Uh, the infrastructure at the club is is improving all the time. Villa are a modern Premier League club now. Five years ago, they were not. You know, you look at Bodymore Heath, the the surroundings around the place. They've got an amazing performance centre, um, a brilliant academy. They've got an inner city academy coming soon. The North Stand redevelopment plans are, are, are all in place. And then, you know, people like Yoan Langer, when he came in in 2020, Villa didn't even have a loans department. They didn't even have a loans department. And now, you know, they've they've got the, the most amount of young uh, under-23 players in the Football League this season. Um, I just look at some of the small wins that, that sort of Langer's department has had. And um, he set up a data... Uh, he set up the data department, the data guys were the guys that put the hard work into to get Kamara into the club. Um, the data guys were the ones who realised that Middlesbrough would be the best move for Cameron Archer because um, every almost every club in the Championship wanted him, but Villa were very careful with where they sent him. They realised that Michael Carrick's, Michael Carrick's Middlesbrough had created more chances than any other team in the Championship, so that would give Archer the best chance of going on and scoring goals. And look what he did. Did he get 10 goals and six assists, I think? Um, I'm even more impressed with in some respects because I knew he could score. Yeah, so, you know, that that's another win. That they, They've taken a player who two or three years ago nobody was really talking about, but you've now developed him in, into a £20 million striker and somebody that could come and, um, you know, do really well for Villa next season. And it's just all those little things like creating a, um, a player care team behind the scenes. Villa have a lot of South American players in and you know Diego Carlos for example who comes into the club he ruptures his Achilles after two games he's got young kids who need to find their way into a school here and Villa's excellent player uh, player care department now were, are able to find the right school for him and make sure his wife's okay and make sure that all the South American guys stay together look back to when we interviewed Juan Pablo Ango do you remember he said if if there had been anybody that was, was at the club that could have looked after me and my family, his wife, Pablo Angel, 
um, had a baby as soon as, as soon as she came to England. It was all really difficult for her. And you just think, if you've got all the structures behind the scenes, it helps the players thrive. And if the players are, are happy and the manager's able to coach the players who are happy, it, it, it's just so much easier for them. I'm not taking anything away from Emery in that respect because, you know, the, the, the structure was there under Gerard, and he didn't quite do it. But what you need is really good people in the top positions. And Villa have got that, but they've now got Emery as the manager, and that's really helping. Yeah, I agreed with most of what you said there. Not absolutely, not absolutely everything, but I agree. I agree. I agreed <laughs> what did with you most... disagree? Then? I'm not going to tell you. I agree. <laughs> I agreed. I agreed with most things that you said there. But it has taken Unai Emery to to come in to knit it all together. I think it, that that's what. what what the crucial thing is, he is the right manager at the right at the right time. It all kind of fell into place to to, to get him in the Villa. And Gerard Harman Gerard was a, was a terrible mistake. Villa probably couldn't have got Unai Emery in at that point that they got Gerard in. I don't think they, I mean he turned out Newcastle, so I don't think Villa would have been able to Villarreal were going well in the Champions League. Villa wouldn't have been able to get Unai Emery in when they employed Steven Gerrard. So if they'd employed someone else who'd been a relative success. Now, Emery wouldn't have come, so it did the timing of it was mm. was all worked well in the end. We had to sit through that disastrous tenure under Steve and Gerard, but in the end, the stars aligned for us to get Unai Emery in, and he's the he's the king now. He's the he's the king at Villa Park and at Bodymore Heath, and he's the one that's really knitted it all together. King Emery, King Emery is the king. So we've got. I was thinking, right, this is very, very ambitious here. But I've always thought in my lifetime, I'm probably never going to see Villa in the Champions League. That, that was how it felt. Unai Emery's made me think in my head, maybe in the next five to ten years, maybe I will see Villa playing playing the Champions League because I think he's that good. I think he's capable of he's capable of doing it. Either you look at Newcastle last season. No, they're kind of up, they'll be operating in a different market to us now. We won't be fighting them for players because they've got Champions League. They'll be pulling in some some big players. I think Newcastle had a real upturn last season under under Eddie Howe, and they ended the season well and ended up finishing finishing top half. I think they maybe finished not eighth, ninth in the end after they were down towards the bottom when, when Eddie Howe took over. And then this season they've managed to finish top four, which I never would have said they'd have been able to do, and they've really accelerated their progress. I think Villa can do a can do a similar thing. Now we have to see how European football is going to affect that. But I do think now there's not a there's not a big six anymore. But I think there's that, definitely not. That, there's that's definitely, gone. definitely big six. It's, it's getting very, to... the the issue is it's getting very crowded, isn't it? And you think yeah. because there's not a big six now. Whereas before it was very definitive uh, and Villa's plans were can we be the best of the rest first? Which they probably wanted to be last year and this year. Yeah. Uh, and then let's have a real crack at breaking that big six. But because there's not really a big six now, it's not quite clear uh, uh, as what do what have Villa got to do because it's all, are Newcastle going to sustain it? Are, are Brighton going to lose their best players? And then can you continue to back them to keep getting these young stars in that are going to be even better than the ones that they sell or just as good? Um, can Villa mould together a Premier League campaign and Europe? Will Chelsea get any better? Are Liverpool going to improve on a fifth-place finish? Um, surely Liverpool can't get any worse, you'd think. So, um, it's really difficult to know what's going to happen. Are Arsenal going to fall away a little bit under Arteta now because of this sort of title um, collapse, Can you, if you can call it that? Or are they going to kick on? You just don't know, really, in football. And again, sorry to keep going back to the Mings interview, but uh, he, he said something similar. He said, 
what's really uh, what's really pleased me the most is that we've been able to deliver this year when the pressure was on when nobody expected us to do it when just three game, just three games before the season, it was totally out of our hands. Two games before the season, it was out of our hands. But we knew if we could beat Tottenham, we could take it into the, potentially take it into the last game, um, and then it was in their own hands. I think there was a there was a sense of, oh, are Villa going to bottle this? But the fact they didn't, the fact they got over the line um, at a time where Liverpool have struggled, where Chelsea have struggled. Um, it, it, it just shows that they've. Um, what I'm trying to say, sorry. It shows that they, you know they've done it when the pressures are mentality. Um, that, you know, and and you don't know what's going to happen next season. It might get a lot tougher next season. Villa yeah. might be knocking around the mid table and thinking, Do you know what, we we can't even crack on because of you know it's just not working. Look at West Ham. The the European fixtures piled up on them a little bit too much and they've struggled this season. Look at West Ham's team at the start of the season and you're thinking. Some good signings there. I, I didn't. I didn't ever think that. Skamaka. I, I thought you know they were the players that were going to take West Ham on. I thought well, they got a chance of kicking on here, but mm. didn't quite work for them. You know, there's the danger that Villa buy players that don't quite work for them. But alternatively, let's hope it's the other way. So I think West Ham's recruitment went away from the kind of style that Moyes is good at, and that, that I think that's the. I think recruitment's the reason West Ham struggled because I don't think they bought in David Moyes' type of type of players. I think they went away from what it was that's made them good. The good thing is, is that Unai Emery, mm. he's the one in charge of bringing those players in. So the type of player coming in is the players that he's identified, the players that, that he thinks are right. I think now there's Manchester City who will just be up there for probably the next next 10 years or so. I honestly think the rest of it, I think anyone could end up having a season like Tottenham have had this year. And there is there is room for, for Villa, Newcastle, maybe Brighton, if they can keep doing what they're doing, to keep pushing and keep scaring the, those teams. There's a reason why that those teams wanted the Super League because they mm. know that the, the, the teams, the, the money's so big in the Premier League now, there's not a massive financial gap between Villa and, I don't know, Liverpool really. You'd back Villa will probably spend more than Liverpool in the summer, I, I, I would say. I would imagine that that's highly plausible and highly possible. I think the, that the, that issue, would happen. The, the issue Villa have still got is they're still majorly playing catch up in terms of revenue. Could Tottenham, for example, their revenue over the, like, the revenue over the last accounting period? Was four hundred and forty-four million pounds. They've got their stadium already. They're making lots of money from the stadium. They've got Harry Kane. Um, they were able to buy players ahead of Villa. Um, Villa's turnover in the last accounts was about one hundred and eighty million. I think there's a huge difference there. Why we've seen Villa hire Chris Heck because he will have to improve partnerships and he's a commercial expert. He'll have to start getting more revenue in. So our season tickets have gone up. Um, yeah, little things like this. Villa are trying to win, trying to gain advantages in every single area to um, in, increase their revenue. Um, now, I do think Villa will be ambitious in this summer. I do think they will spend a fair bit of money, but can they continue to st- sustain that spending over and over again? If they don't get into the Champions League, don't think they can. Yeah, well. We'll be talking about stuff like this all, all through the summer. I don't, I don't think we'll be doing a show every, every week, and certainly not in the next couple of weeks. I know Greg got plenty of golf to play, but we'll um, we'll be t- we'll be doing shows through, through the summer. We've got a couple of interviews lined up as, as well to do as podcasts, so, so watch out for them. But just want to give you a little bit of praise actually before before we finish. So you said one of the podcasts. It's probably about eight weeks ago. We were talking about Luca Dean. You said it's not fair to judge Luca Dean until you've seen him in this Villa team. I got to say. Seeing him in the Villa team at the weekend, I thought he was very good. Probably one of his better performances in a Villa shirt. So a bit of bit of nous from 
from Global Grape there. <laughs> I get some right every there. now and then, don't no, I? No, no, you've got a few, you've got a few things right. There was something else as well that I thought, oh yeah, Greg said that, and that was that was actually bang on. But I've completely forgotten what it is. But the Luca Dane point was was mm. valid because I thought in Villa now being a good cohesive team, I thought Luca Dane looked better than the last time I remember him starting at Villa Park. So good point from you, Greg. Well done. Thank you. I think just in general, you know, the, the recruitment actually, when you look back at it, hasn't been that bad, has it? You know, Rob McKenzie, who's the head of recruitment at Villa, has, has got a lot of things right. You know, him and his alongside the data team, they've 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 identified some very impressive players. You know, Ollie Watkins as well. We go back to him. I know, I know that I know that obviously Dean Smith had previously worked with him, but Rob McKenzie, I'm pretty sure, was part of the the the, the process when. Um, when Ollie Watkins was signed, and you just look back through the the striker signings in the Premier League since 2020, other than Erling Haaland, maybe Gabriel Jesus, Jesus, um, Callum Wilson, aren't many better strikers than 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 Ollie Watkins in terms of players who have been brought in. No, I can't. Can't I mean, Less you know, spent a lot of like, money on Daka. You know, they got relegated. There's a bit of a oh, Villa haven't bought. You know, Villa's recruitment hasn't been that good. Difficult to get a striker who scores double figures every single season like Ollie Watkins has. Pretty sure Salah and um, Harland, uh, sorry, Salah and Harry Kane are the only other two players yeah, to double figures in every in three seasons in a row. Yeah, they are. That's a Villa to get a striker like that. No, brilliant for him to end on fifteen goals as well. Feels like a nice number to to end the season. And I was glad he didn't end the season on a, on a drought because you know it was mm. quite, quite he needed fit, that goal, didn't it? Was fitting yeah. that he scored the winner, I think, because his goals have been massive. In getting yeah. getting Villa into Europe, it was fitting ending the game with John McGinn in the corner as well because it kind of took me back to those those championship days when he would <laughs> run the length of the pitch and keep the ball in the corner, and that's how Villa's season ended. So yeah, we're going to end eighteen seventy four for today, but we'll pop up with some shows through the summer. We won't leave you all hanging because there'll be plenty going on at Villa Park and be plenty to talk about. Greg, thank you very much for joining me today and in the second half of this season as well. You could say eighteen seventy four back coming back has propelled Villa into Europe. I'm not sure whether the two. Uh, correlated, but certainly you know, Villa had a very good second half of the season when uh, when 1974 did come back, so it's only right that we take a little bit of the credit. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel with your post notifications on and leave some comments below as well. Please give the video a like as well. Let's look for... Let's go big. I want to go big. I want, I want 500 likes on this video. Let's get us 500 likes on this on this last episode of the regular season of 1874, please. As I say, we've got a couple of interviews lined up, so they should be with you in the next two, three weeks. I'm looking forward to doing, doing those. Looking forward to them on this podcast. Have a good week and up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.